The Start On Demand. On demand. Have you ever heard of the Peloton bike? It's a really fancy and expensive exercise bike, and their ad for the holidays, which surfaced last week, is being seen as sexist and dystopian. So we'll talk to a media commentator on that and get your reaction. Crosswalk safety in St. James. Two teenagers were hit at Ness and Woodlawn on Wednesday. We'll speak to City Councilor Scott Gillingham on this issue. The City of Edmonton is now using neon-colored vehicles for photo radar to promote safety. And Mr. Rogers wants you to take 10 seconds to reflect on those who have helped and cared for you. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and a vacationing Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, December 5th podcast for The Start. Our, our Christmas party is tomorrow, and I, I have a jacket that I like. It's essentially like a charcoal with a pattern on it. I, I don't know that I'd call it a plaid. It's just almost like checkered, but mm. it's just got like a faint checkering on it. Subtle. Yeah, and uh, and I bought this like bold kind of violet shirt, uh, which I guess I would otherwise describe as like, I don't know, it's a, kind of a purplish, <laughs> but <clears throat> but I bought, so I, I figured that the jacket is kind of muted, so I'll get a, a, a shirt that really pops. It's a Christmas party, get something, you know, with some color. But I'm still not sold on it, so I thought I'm just going to pop in because I had to go to Moore's anyway to get some jeans that I had altered. Had them, uh, they took in the legs a little bit because they were kind of baggy. And while I was there, I looked and I saw they had sport coats on sale for 189. So I thought, what the hell? I'll go take a peek. They didn't have anything, and then I. But I just you mentioned it, Greg, uh, off the air today. I I'm, <laughs> I have some OCD, some slight OCD, and once I get you ever seen the movie Inception? I have not. Okay. Well, the the basis of that is Leonardo DiCaprio's line is, "What is the the most strongest bacteria?" I think was the line, and he says, "Or the the strongest virus." It's an idea. Mm. Once it gets planted in your head, it's almost impossible to eradicate. So I had this idea that I needed a new jacket. So off I went to Moore's on Regent Avenue, and as soon as I walked in, I looked to my left and I see this purple jacket. And it's my, was it really purple? Hang on. <laughs> so I I see I saw purple. Purple is my favorite color. So I I asked the clerk, or she says, "What size do you need?" And I said, "Well, I need a 42." And she says, "You probably need a tall hay." And I said, "Yeah, probably," because I'm six four. And she says, "Well, we don't have any in that. Uh, so come over here, and we don't have that jacket in your size. So here you here's your sizes." I tried one on, didn't like it, and then I left. And. Uh, I went home, because this was yesterday afternoon, went home and thought about it, and then I thought, I should go back and look at that jacket again, because it was on the border of acceptable, whether or not it was long enough or short enough, or too short. So I actually brought a dress shirt with me. I, I packed a dress shirt and a, the jeans I was going to wear in my car, and then I thought, maybe I should go to another store first. So I went to the one in Dakota by St. Vitale Center, and the young lady there, oh, I forgot one detail. You're right. Uh, I said, I really like this purple jacket. This is at the Regent store. And she says, ah, oh, the burgundy? Right away, I'm like, come on. <laughs> don't You don't have to correct your customers. Right away, you make me feel like an idiot. Okay? So, Fair enough. So then uh, <laughs> I went to the Dakota store, found the jacket, but they only had one, and it was a size 46, so way too big. But she says, do you want me to check the inventory? Maybe one of our other stores have it. I said, sure, thank you. Uh, so she found one in a 42 tall at the Leela store. So I'm at, I'm on Dakota in St. Patel. <laughs> You've been to Polo Park. Yeah. You've been to Regent and Lage. Yeah. Now you're in St. Patel. 
And then she says, there's one in Leela. And I say, where's that store? It's uh, uh, by Garden City Mall. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Uh, so, and then she's on the phone and she says, yeah, do you have this uh, Calvin Klein jacket? It's uh, uh, kind of purple. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> yes. There it is. There's that line from Brooklyn Nine-Nine where Captain Holt says, vindication. And there it was for you, vindication so, on the color. So then I went down there and I found, I got the jacket. But now the question is, what color shirt do I wear with you it? You know what? We don't have enough time to sort that out this morning. No. But I, 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 I like the fact that you were right about the color because yeah. we're not always right about the color. Yeah. There's no question about that. Get called on that all the time. It's like, it looks pretty blue to me. It's on the green side. I'm like, there's no green in that. Yeah, Are it. you joking me? That's not but, beige. It's desert sandstone. Yes, yes. And by the way, Dave texting in at 204-780-6868. Nobody from Transcona takes their jeans in because they were a bit baggy. Did I just hear that? <laughs> yes, you did, Dave. I wanted something a little bit slimmer. It was more of a straight cut. And then uh, the clerk said, well, you can we can taper them a little bit if you want. So I thought, sure, why not? I have a suggestion. Yeah. Calves work out. You need more leg days at the I'm, gym. I, hey, man, I'm working. On, I'm, I'm trying, okay? I'm trying to gain weight <laughs> at the gym. It's uh, I need to start eating more like, I don't know. I guess I might have to do the protein shake thing. But I heard they're gross. Body mass? Think about this. I'll be There's like, a time in your life. I'll be like Cart I'll be like Cartman in South Park. Follow your dreams. You can reach your goals. I'm living proof. Beefcake! Beefcake! <laughs> Follow your dreams. You can reach your goals. I'm living proof. Beefcake! Beefcake! As you might recall, two teenagers were hit. At the crosswalk by the St. James Civic Center at Ness and Woodlawn, they are doing better following that scary crash. Several witnesses rushed to help the kids and the driver stayed at the scene. They were taken to hospital in unstable condition but were later upgraded. But there was a lengthy conversation with Jeff Courier on crosswalks and Sam Thompson, our very own uh, Global News online journalist, Sam Thompson, witnessed the crash. He said the, that it's a scary intersection. It's a dangerous intersection. The, the, these teenagers were hit by a car, thrown into the air. Backpacks went flying. Shoes went flying. And Greg, you got uh, an email from someone to Mackling at CJOB.com. I did. Uh, Peter says this. I was listening to the show this morning. got this last night, so yesterday, when you broke the news of the crosswalk incident in St. James. Then, rightly so, you and the rest of the team there, including Jeff, started asking for audience responses on how can we reduce this risk. You received many responses, but I work as a security guard on, on, the, on base. That's, uh, I guess, at 17 wing, and my job requires me to go in and out of earshot of the radio. I'm not sure if my following comments were covered or not, so here I go. I've lived in this area since I was posted here in 1978, and the crosswalks have always been risky. As far as lowering them goes in terms of the height and, and so people can see them better, that's one of the suggestions people have made. They are already at traffic light height, I'm pretty sure, and making the lights flash red, I have heard, might affect people that suffer from seizures. I d do you know anything about this? Flashing red lights? No. Inducing seizures. If you know about that, we'd like to hear from you. I understand why they made Ness Avenue a truck route in the 1990s because of Murray Industrial Park, but why did they have to raise the speed limit 
from 50 to 60. I drove a semi for 10 years, and it was my experience that many drivers are very considerate when it comes to other people. You're first right after me. Wow. Thank you, Peter. We appreciate the feedback. Uh, don't know about the, the flashing red lights and, and seizures. That is one suggestion people have made time and time again about the flashing amber lights that presently are in place over those controlled pedestrian crossings. And I, I hate to victim blame here in any way, shape, or form because I don't know how it all went down. But mm-hmm. this is what I know and what I remember from from growing up, and I still practice this myself, I will not step foot off the curb until, until all lanes of traffic has stopped. I do not trust people to see those lights. I can't do it. I won't do it. Mm-hmm. I might be correct in presuming or correct in believing that it's my right of way when those amber lights are going, but I'm not worth it's not worth it to me to take that risk. I always wait for the the traffic to stop, whether it's one, two, or three lanes. Uh, I will not step into that crosswalk until those lanes of traffic have come to a stop. Sexist and dystopian. Those are two words being used to describe Peloton. Mackling and I first heard about this late yesterday morning when our eagle-eyed colleague Skylar Peters spotted this headline on the BBC. Peloton exercise bike ad mocked as being sexist and dystopian. We'll play the ad for you in a moment, but first, what's a Peloton bike, Mackling? Well, it's an expensive exercise bike. It's a little bit of a craze, actually, all across North America. They cost over $2,000. They've got touchscreens, and you then can buy a subscription to access classes streamed live and on demand. It's like a virtual cycling class. Now here's the ad. Okay, you ready? Yes. Now... Peloton, give it up for our first time riding. Right, first ride. I'm a little nervous, but excited. Let's do this. Five days in a row. You surprised? I am. 6 a.m. Yay. Rising with the sun. That was totally worth it. Let's go, Grace in Boston. 50 rides. She just said my name. A year ago, I didn't realize how much this would change me. Thank you. This holiday, give the gift of Peloton. So this woman, Grace from Boston, comes down Christmas morning to find her hubby has given her a Peloton bike. She's excited and begins her fitness routine. But critics jumped all over it, equating it to buying her a vacuum cleaner and pointing out that she already appears to be fit because she's thin. Peloton responded, saying they're disappointed in how some have misinterpreted the ad. So Susie Parker is with Sparker Strategy, website sparkerstrategy.ca. She does PR, she does marketing, she's a media and social media media commentator, and she's our friend, and she joins us live on 680 CJOB. Susie, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Doing very well, Susie. So what say you? Okay, first of all, are we going to talk about the Winnipeg connection to this? Because sure. Because the soundtrack to this ad. Oh, yeah, no, I, 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 Bachman, right? yeah I, I caught that earlier, but uh, good for you. I think all things come back to Winnipeg, for sure. <laughs> Always. <laughs> That's that's a <laughs> foregone conclusion. What do you think of this commercial and, and the criticism of it? Okay, so the criticism, I think, is a bit warranted, but I don't know that it's inherently sexist. In the sense that it's definitely tone deaf, but I don't know that it's sexist. Now, Peloton, if you look at their, like you talked about their numbers, uh, Greg, so they've sold probably close to half a million bikes so far. They have a very uh, robust data center about all of their bikes and who's bought them and you have to think that they would have gone through that as they create their advertising and creative this ad does not appear to reflect what that buyer base looks like probably 
Why do you say it's tone deaf? Well, I think that uh, if you go back to all of their ads, actually, their other ads are much better than this one. Now, they've done a similar ad to this one uh, a few Christmases ago, basically where a husband buys his uh, wife a bike and he hides it in the garage and she finds it and starts working out on it years or sorry, months before uh, Christmas comes. So I think that's kind of part of their MO. So if anything, this ad is a little bit stale when it comes to how they approach their advertising. They've already done this shit before. So it's not really a, a crime in, in quotation marks to be unoriginal in your marketing. Why are people jumping down the throats uh, of Peloton for, for taking this approach, whether it's the first time or the 17th time? Well, I think one of the things that, uh, first of all, I'm not really keen on people shaming the woman in the ad. First of all, people exercise and start exercising for a variety of reasons. And there's no reason that we should associate um, necessarily thin people with fit people. Now, that being said, they could definitely use some more body diversity in their ads. So that criticism, I don't necessarily take to heart at all. Second of all, I think when it comes to buying power, you have to look at who's buying exercise equipment, especially for households. And their target market is obviously women, a lot of it. And um, when you think about how many single women and the purchasing power that they have, they're spending, you know, upwards of $5 trillion a year. So that purchasing power is strong. You need to appeal emotionally to that group to make that purchase feel worthwhile for that group. Yeah, Julie Buckingham, our co-host and colleague here, at or co-host of the news on CJOB with Richard Cloutier, she pointed out, well, maybe she wanted it as a gift. And if she didn't, well, that's different. And as uh, you alluded to, just because she's thin doesn't mean she's fit. So uh, you talked about body diversity, but in this day and age of body diversity, why can't we use a woman who is thin? Oh, I think we definitely can. But if you look at their ads, again, if you go back to their repertoire and their shtick, it's very much the same. So I think that they have to take a look at who their customer base is and who the people are that they're actually helping and take a look at, you know, updating their creative to reflect that. 500,000 units sold. Do they do they have to do what you're suggesting at all? Susie, it sounds like what they're doing is working pretty well. Greg, you know what? It is working pretty well, right? And the thing is, is that, you know, everyone has said, someone said on your uh, Facebook post, we're all talking about it, aren't we? So sure there's definitely that to take, to take into consideration. Now, you have to think, if someone was going to buy this bike, probably for themselves or for a family member, would this ad necessarily turn them off? Not necessarily. But it did turn off shareholders for a while because their stock did drop slightly after this ad was criticized online. Will it bounce back? I'm sure it will, but hopefully it's a message to the C-suite at Peloton that they need to do a bit better in this area. But part of that, uh, their their stock retracting a little bit, Susie, had to do with the fact that they also they slashed uh, prices for their subscriptions somewhat. And I, yes. I, that, that was as much uh, a part of seeing the stock fall as uh, this backlash, quote-unquote, for uh, for the commercial. So just just want to make sure we get that information out there as well. Yeah, for sure. And the other piece of it too is that um, you know they do they do have a great product. So I think it's one of those things that um, you know cycling, spin cycles, group classes, those are all really popular right now. So to remain competitive and fresh in that in that vertical, how are you going to do that and not see this bike on Kijiji in six months? Now others have taken a darker inter- interpretation of the video, according to the Global News article, casting the husband as an abusive partner who forces his already thin wife to exercise obsessively in order to shed a few more pounds, which I think is utterly ridiculous. And I think it's ridiculous that people even go there. 
Because if you I, if it was a ma- if, it, if the roles were reversed and it was a, a wife buying a husband this gift, no one would say anything about this. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that kind of narrative, you know, does more harm than good. And it just kind of takes us to a dark place that the Internet's full of and we don't necessarily need more of in our lives. Um, If you go back to the Peloton channel on YouTube and you take a look at their other commercials, you'll see better ones that they've done. There's a But here's hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Susie. You're you're assuming that people are are as going to research things as much as you most people i bet you there are a lot of people this is the first time they're hearing about peloton and i guarantee you they're not going back and looking at peloton's ad history no that's true that's true but i think that you need to look at um one of the i think one of the tenants of the company is that it really is for everybody right is that anybody can have this now they're they've been uh, ridiculed before for their commercials in the sense that they always seem to appear in these million dollar homes with a lot of glass windows. So I think that they have a bit of a penchant for doing this kind of strange advertising uh, with a black mirror kind of feel to it. Well, and, and, and I've heard that criticism, but I've also heard an answer that I like uh, in terms of, uh, I heard someone on CNN this morning saying it feels a little one percenty. Well, <laughs> at the price point, uh, maybe the only people that can really consider this as a viable option are people who are, you know, in that six-figure salary times two, living in million-dollar-plus homes. I mean, I mean, uh, we do have to consider that as well. Maybe they really know their market. Absolutely. And the other thing of that is that, you know, the people who um, traditionally don't get the ad or it doesn't speak to me and it's just like it's not supposed to speak to you, perhaps, because they know who their target market is, right? And that's kind of a harsh a harsh lesson as well. Susie Parker's with Sparker Strategy. The website is sparkerstrategy.ca. Susie, thank you so much for joining us as always. We always Thanks, appreciate gentlemen. your insight. Mackling, you tweeted out a video last night, something that's resurfaced online. Yeah, thanks to Ty Diggs. Uh, this video is from the Daytime Emmys in 1997, making a comeback. Showed up in my timeline. I shared it. So, Brett, you liked it. So I figured, okay, let's talk about this. This is um, a powerful message of the gratefulness from the late, great Fred. We know him as Mr. Rogers. Ten seconds of silence. Would you just... Would you just take, along with me, 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are? Those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. Only Mr. Rogers could command this kind of respect. whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. You know, they're the kind of people television does well to offer our world. I like how it's like, I'll watch the time. And if you see the clip, he's like looking at his watch. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. Yeah, that's classic Mr. Rogers. So it's in the movie. Sort not like that, but a similar sentiment is in the film. Oh, the yeah? Movie, the, yeah, I think that's why that's also resurfaced 40 years later. I, I'm not surprised that it coincides with the release of this movie, but it got us thinking. Uh, 
Who who would you think about? Who did you think about during that ten seconds? Anybody? Braun? I was thinking about Mister Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> what about is Kelly Moore with us, Jeff Forte? Yep. I am, I am indeed, yeah, and uh, I was thinking of my mom and dad. No two people had a greater impact on who I am today, for better or for worse, uh, than than mom and dad as far as teaching work ethic, uh, trying to be a good teammate, and most importantly, uh, uh, in 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 making sure that you treated people with the, the respect they deserve. Yeah, I sort of ended up going a different way. What it made me think of was the. Uh, the people, do I do a good enough job at staying in touch with people I care about? And the answer to that question is no. Like I, I think of, uh, for example, there, one of my friends, uh, his name is Gord. He was actually, a, he's a listener of this radio station, and he came into one of the lottery house things like five years ago to introduce himself and just say, hey, I'm a big fan, and uh, we became friends. Haven't seen him probably for a year and a half, maybe even two years. It's one of those things where we keep saying, yeah, we should get together, yeah, we should get together. And it's easy to kick that kind of can down the road, and I am guilty as charged when it comes to that. So uh, it takes Mr. Sometimes it just takes a lesson from Mr. Rogers to remind you that, hey, there are people in your life who care about you, so do make sure that they don't stop caring about you. No, and I think <laughs> yeah. that's a really good point. Jeff, how about you? I was going to, well, of course my parents. My parents are at the top. But I would have to say a couple of teachers. Uh, my grade 6 teacher, Mrs. Metcalf, and my grade 9 teacher, Miss Dudick. Uh, I remember in grade 9, you know, didn't really do my homework, so uh, Miss Dudek would actually, she kept me after class one day and bought pizza and helped me get through my homework, so, you know, it's influence like that that, you know, you really appreciate. Yeah, going that extra mile, it it, it, it goes a long way. I, what a great teacher story. All his other school stories on the microphones are off are yeah, yeah, not yeah. nice like that. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Save the good ones for you on the air. don't want to know. It's a, it, that's a really good story. I'm always thinking of my grandpa and, and my mom who are no longer with us and the influence that they had and me and my dad. And uh, it was very gratifying after the Grey Cup, how many people were listening to our post-game coverage and my inbox, my my. My text messages was were just full of people who've always been very supportive of what I do, and many people saying you must be on cloud nine right now. And I'm just like a dozen people who I consider very, very close to me, acknowledging the fact that you know this must be special to you, and that meant the world to me, overwhelmed me, right? That whole reciprocation back and forth. But in Los Angeles this weekend, I got a chance to have lunch with my grade two and grade three teacher who I've remained friends with. She lives in uh, Malibu. She's been there for about uh, 25 years now. Wow. And whenever I go to California, I try and meet up with her. But forever, there was some extra sentimentality going on in this visit. And I, I took the time just to say, I want you to know how important you've been to me, how important your belief in me at an early age has meant to this very day. I carry it with me. And uh, her partner in life is a kind of a hard ass, and he was crying. Really? <laughs> yeah, I looked wow. over at him, and he had tears in his eyes. So, uh, yeah, I think it's important, Brett, just to, to say what you're thinking and pick up the phone or send a message when you're feeling that way about someone. I hated my grade two teacher. Safety in St. James. Yeah, about 23 hours ago, we told you about a situation at the intersection of Ness and Woodlawn, where, as it turned out, two young people were struck by a vehicle 
in a pedestrian crosswalk at that same intersection. For those somewhat familiar with St. James, the St. James Civic Centre is located on the northwest corner of that intersection. Sam Thompson is our colleague here at 680 CGOB. He witnessed the incident. It was just before 8 o'clock. I was waiting. Um, there's a bus shack right outside the Civic Centre. and I was waiting there with my kids for the school bus. And um, we saw car go through the there's there's the flashing crosswalk lights there there's two sets of them so you have to cross one set to get to the middle and then another to get across ness and a car as far as i could tell just went right through and hit two kids they i'm guessing they were middle school aged and uh yeah and the car stopped and the driver got out of course but it was it was pretty bad now that uh, took place westbound or eastbound on ness the car was headed west. The head, head, car yeah. was headed west, yeah. and and the the, the two uh, victims here were were crossing for the the, the north uh, the north lanes, the westbound lanes on Ness when this yeah, happened. Yeah, they were crossing both sets of, of of flashing lights, and it's a lights were flashing as far as you could tell. As far as I could tell, yeah, the intersection there it's uh, it's a dangerous one because of the two sets of flashing lights. I've almost been hit before, even with the lights flashing again, just walking back from dropping my kids off at the bus stop. Were these kids thrown at all? Yeah, they went right in the air. Uh, oh boy. You know, shoes, backpacks, and things thrown down the road, um, and screaming, as you might expect, from someone getting hit by a car. Scott Gillingham is city councillor for Brooklyn's Weston and St. James. He joins us in studio. Uh, good morning, councillor Gillingham. We appreciate your time. Sam suggests this is a dangerous intersection. To your knowledge, is it? Uh, well, good morning, and thank you for having me. First of all, uh, you, uh, you know, we're thinking about uh, those kids that were hit and their families. We are wishing them, uh, uh, I wish them a full and speedy recovery. This is this is a serious incident. As to the intersection, uh, uh, yesterday when I heard about this this inter- uh, this incident, I contacted our public works department, asked them for some history on this intersection, uh, specifically on the crosswalk. In the last 20 years, there have been four uh, incidents uh, with pedestrians. None of them have been fatal. So there hasn't been uh, frequent incidents there. That's not to say that, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, crosswalk may, may not be problematic. But I don't, I don't hear a lot about, um, you know, I don't get a lot of feedback on, on this specific crosswalk and it being dangerous. As you know, uh, we heard from a listener who says that he reached out to you several weeks ago with regards to his opinion of problems at that particular intersection. How long ago was that? And what did you do with that uh, with that email at the time? That, yeah, that, I appreciate the the uh, the resident getting a hold of uh, my office. Uh, he reached out mid October. Um, within 24 hours, we had taken that information, that request, and sent it off to our public works department and asked them to look into things. Now that was right around the time, of course, when all of our public works staff and a lot of other city staff were full on responding to the the storm cleanup. Um, so we we checked back yesterday. We haven't got a response yet uh, as to uh, to looking at that. The the residents' uh, request was specific to cars parked on on a side street uh, close to that intersection. I've, of course, we have no idea if that played something like that played any role into this incident. We're still waiting on the on the police report. How long does it take to have a suggestion from the public, either dismissed or see it through to a genuine review? It it all it it all depends. I mean, probably not the answer you want to hear, but it all depends on on what the request is, what we're what we're looking at. You know, as I said, middle of October, all of our public works staff were were you know full on into cleanup mode uh, after after the after the storm. But this this suggestion is being looked at. 
Yesterday, though, I was speaking to our traffic engineers. I have asked them to take a look at whether this crosswalk would uh, would would be conducive to having uh, a pilot program put in right now across the city. There's a few places where we have a pilot program at crosswalks where we're using rapid flashing beacons and we're installing them lower down, kind of at eye level for uh, for for motorists and and for pedestrians as well. And so there, the traffic engineers are taking a look to see if 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 this crosswalk would would fit having those flashing uh, beacons installed at eye level. Yeah, I know that the particular concern here uh, is something that afterwards I spoke to Sam about, and that has to do with the availability of uh, of that street to accept traffic that's turning from Ness southbound onto Woodlawn because the vehicles get backed up. They park fairly close to that intersection and it's a busy street northbound with the Civic Centre. Deer Lodge is at the south end of that. So it might not necessarily be the crosswalk itself, but just the availability of a lane or a place for vehicles to go when they turn on to Woodlawn. In fact, Sam says his son's school bus gets trapped in that in that median all the time. Yeah, and as I said, that's something specifically we're looking at. That's what, and I, I do appreciate the resident reaching out uh, to us on that. That's something we're going to look at as to whether there should be a no parking sign installed a little bit further down so that there's more room in that intersection right. to accept traffic onto Woodlawn or from Woodlawn uh, on, back onto Ness. Again, don't know if if uh, if a parked vehicle somewhere on Woodlawn had anything to do of with course. this with this incident. However, that is being looked at right now. That coupled with uh, the installation of of the flashing amber lights, the rapidly flashing amber lights at eye level, which would hopefully make it much more visible for all pedestrians and certainly for all motorists at that crosswalk. And one of our other listeners, I got an email last night who who wondered why he's been a resident since '78 and he's seen the. Speed limit go from 50 to 60 on Ness, and he understands why it's a truck route, but any any complaints in the past about the idea that, that maybe 60 is too fast on that stretch of Ness? Well, I think it's, first of all, it's a, it's a, what we call P1 street. It's a regional road. And as you indicate, you know, it's a, uh, it's a truck route as well. Council has asked for a five-year a strategic uh, road safety plan to to be uh, be undertaken. So the RFP on that just closed. Uh, I don't know that the the contract has been awarded, but that report will come back to council sometime in 2020. There's been a lot of talk. I know you know CJB has covered this as well. There's been a lot of talk at council about speed limits across the city of Winnipeg. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that report coming back. One of the key uh, pillars or, or, or um, planks in that report will be specific to pedestrian safety as well across the city of Winnipeg. There have been there have just been too many pedestrian incidents. Uh, too many pedestrians uh, have lost their lives uh, this year alone. And so I'm looking forward to to that analysis being done and that report coming back. <laughs> A few hundred people packed a room at the Polo Park Shopping Centre last night to take in a Winnipeg pub- police public forum during the current crime wave. Yeah, our own Clay Young was there, and the forum was held in conjunction with the screening of the film Methamphetamine Community Under Siege. Paramedic Rodney Bodner is the filmmaker. Obviously, he's more than just a paramedic. He's been in the field for 15 years and an acclaimed filmmaker. Police officials spoke about the ways they are dealing with the meth crisis and how to keep young people out of gangs. Carol lives in the West End. She told Global News she's alarmed by the high incidence 
involving youth. A lot of the perpetrators are under the um, Young Offenders Act, and at what point in time are they going to take notice that they should be treated as adults and be dealt with as adults? Because adults are sending them out to do some of these crimes, probably. We want to feel safe in our neighbourhood again. Like when you leave at 6 o'clock at night and feel fearful, like you're checking every you know, nook and cranny around your home because you think somebody's lurking around the corner. It's it's very unsettling. Have you ever been the victim of crime or know personally of anyone who has in your area? We've had a few break-ins in our home. There's always going to be crime here, there and everywhere. And you do whatever you can to uh, reinforce your home and that. What I found though in our area, like a few years ago, I was sort of rejected on insurance. I'm not the one doing the crime, but we're the ones being punished for the crime being perpetrated on us. Wow, that's the first time I've heard in a while. Someone in the States, I think they used to call it redlining. You've seen 8 Mile from Eminem, the the movie about Eminem. Apparently anything inside 8 Mile Road was almost impossible once upon a time to get insurance in Detroit. Really? So that's starting to happen here in Winnipeg. We'll have to dig into that a little bit more. Police Chief Danny Smythe was amongst those who engage with the crowd. Here's Sue Boyce. She lives in River Heights. Just for information, I want to know more about the meth problem, what they're going to do, what long-term plans are, because you can't put everybody in the hospital when there's no beds for treatment, and you certainly can't arrest everybody. There isn't enough room in jail. So these people are being turned back out on the street to continue the crime. So, you know, there has to be some kind of long-term planning. We hear that uh, break-ins, vandalism in River Heights uh, is becoming a real issue. It is, all the time. It's very common. I've seen four or five garage is broken into on one street. It's super common in River Heights. It's been a problem for a long time. In fact, there's a Facebook group that you can join, Smash Window River Heights Club, if you want to join. Nicole Bouchard is a lifelong resident of the West End. I know that because I've known Nicole since I was about 13 years old. She is so concerned about the current crime wave that she felt compelled to attend last night. Well, you know what, as a, uh, not only as a resident of the area, but also uh, an employee, um, I work at a high school in the area. I see and hear a lot of things um, from my students, uh, from my students' families, and myself as a resident. Um, it's very concerning. I've lived in the neighbourhood for all of my life, and I've never felt fear in my neighbourhood until just recently. Um, I, I get home and I lock my door. I've never been a person to lock my doors. Um, uh, but now it's the thing I do right away uh, because you just never know. You don't know who's lurking. I've had uh, property stolen from my own yard and that's that's alarming. Um, you know, that's my my personal property. I don't invite people in but they're walking through my yard thinking it's their right and their privilege to, to come into my, my own yard. So I, I am living in a little bit of, of fear. Police service says more public forums will be held in the coming year but that first clip from Carol, who says that she's had a number of break-ins. That's alarming. Yeah, well, I grew up in the West End, and uh, in the time that I lived there, our house was broken into more than once. Uh, so this is not brand new for certain parts of the city. It just feels like it's escalating. It feels like the uh, the brazen nature of these perpetrators is, is on the rise, what they're prepared to do, when they're prepared to come into your home, because as we know... Sometimes they'll come when you're home.
this ad's been it's been out there for over a week. Social media users have spent the last week dunking on this 30-second ad for its dystopian portrayal of an already fit-looking mom who is just a little too excited to use the stationary bike that her husband gave her at Christmas. So yeah, that's what happens in the ad. Grace from Boston comes down Christmas morning to find this Peloton bike that her hubby got her, and she is excited. Now, there is a parody video that somebody decided to put together using the same song from Winnipeg's Tal Bachman. Which I actually saw before I saw the real commercial. Oh, yeah? So that'll tell you what's really been more popular on social media. So this is from Eva Victor on Twitter. <gasps> a Peloton? My husband got me a Peloton for Christmas. Nothing weird about that. Thank you. You get me. <laughs> okay, my first ride. I'm a little bit nervous, and rightly so, because my husband got me a workout bike for Christmas, and that's rude. Let's go. <laughs> Six days in a row. Are you surprised? I am, but my marriage is still intact. <laughs> Let's get on the bike. 6 a.m. My husband is sleeping soundly next to me, but I couldn't sleep a wink because what kind of sociopath gets his wife a stationary bike? Seriously, what the hell? What are you trying to say? I am so unhappy. <laughs> I hate my life. A year ago, I didn't realize how much this would change me. Babe, I want a divorce. Did you like the video I made you, babe? Here, these are for you. Divorce thing. Sorry, yeah, no, but you were. So critics are accusing Peloton of sexism for presenting Grace as a wellness-obsessed woman who seems completely dedicated to exercise after receiving a gift that some might see as insulting, while others have taken a darker interpretation of the video, casting the husband as an abusive partner who fo- forces his already thin wife to exercise obsessively in order to shed a few more pounds. I've tried to keep an open mind on this stuff, and I know that, you know, if, if there was overt discrimination, if there was overt sexism, then I would be on the side of the critics. But in this ad, we have a woman who's excited to receive a very expensive gift, and in the context of the ad, you wouldn't... What did you say earlier, you, Greg? You would not buy... This a is two thousand dollar right. gift for someone if you didn't know they wanted it. Yeah, I, I'm guessing, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is not like the scarf that you might buy at the Bay Macy's, Saks Fifth Avenue, uh, cashmere or otherwise, and just go. Oh, well, I hope he likes it, or I hope she likes it. No, if you're spending that kind of money, you're pretty sure the person receiving this wants this gift. Yeah. And and just because this woman, like one of the criticisms is you have a hundred pound woman in a commercial looking like a deer in the headlights exercising on a bike to be a 90 pound woman and that's to be applauded. Okay, first of all, we don't know if she's trying to lose weight. She might just want to get in shape. Just because you're thin doesn't mean you're in shape. Precisely. Like I, I've been going to the gym for the last couple of months trying to get back into it. I haven't gone to the gym for a long time. And I've been trying to, to lift weights to, to gain some strength and to gain some mass because I'd lost a ton of weight just with diet but I wasn't really exercising outside of walking. So I go for a, I try to go for a walk every day, but in terms of my cardio, like I don't do any cardio at the gym, I just do weights. I decided to walk up the stairs again at home yesterday, 16 flights of stairs. It maybe took me three minutes, and I felt like I was going to die. So sometimes people just want to exercise because they want to improve their cardiovascular health. There's nothing wrong with that regardless of your size, and I think this is actually bordering on body shaming. 
Well, for sure, uh, because we don't know. There's all sorts of reasons people want to stay physically active. It's good for your mental health. It's good for. It seems as though that maybe there's some competition going on between. We don't. We don't even know if these people are married. They're in a relationship of some sort. We don't want to prejudge because we might get in trouble for doing that. Yeah. But <laughs> you know that that's beyond the point here. Like, why are we so quick to judge every single thing? I know that that might sound a little hypocritical coming from the two of us based on what we do for a living, but that's that's part of what we're tasked with. And I understand that it can get a little frustrating for people that there's an opinion on everything, but that's the world we live in. And that's talk radio. That's opinion radio. And I guess to a certain extent, that's social media. But I think people are getting a little tired of the outrage on social media. Like, let's be outraged about things that you should be outraged about. And let's reframe this. Let's create this commercial. If it was an overweight man who was gifted this Peloton bike, do you think there'd be any outrage about that whatsoever? No, probably not. Although there there might be, you might have, have people saying, well, why do you have to... Uh, now you're now you're shaming people who are overweight into needing to to lose weight because you see that too, right? And uh, I don't. It's know, not I feel all like, about weight, though. We get so hung up on this as that's the barometer is your is your physical look because we don't. There's lots of thin people who are unhealthy. Yeah. There are a lot of people who smoke like a chimney just to stay thin. Yeah. There are a lot of people who are emotionally and have mental wellness issues that physically look fine, are not healthy at all. There are so many aspects to this conversation. And for people to rain down on this the way they are, I think is a little ignorant. Maybe it's a lot ignorant. I liked Peloton's answer to it. And I bet you their shareholders are going to like it too. I know their stock was down a little bit. In the last couple of days, that was more so because they reduced the price of the, the different subscriptions that you can get. But they've sold hundreds of thousands of these things. They're laughing all the way to the bank right now. I guarantee it. Yeah, because the publicity they've gotten from this has been gigantic. And I feel like it doesn't matter who they had in the ad. It would have been criticized no matter what. The headline at cjob.com at globalnews.ca, City of Edmonton unveils new, brightly colored design for photo radar vehicles. This is right up our alley, I got to tell you. I gave a little bit of a yeehaw and or a yahoo when I read this. Alberta has always been a mixed bag with regard to photo radar and the relationship with it. It's under review in Alberta, but I would like to see this come to Manitoba, and we're going to tell you what that is. Kendra Slagowski is with Global Edmonton. She joins us now. Good morning, Kendra. Good morning, guys. Uh, What's the reaction to what's happening in Edmonton? Secondly, firstly, what are they doing? Well, they are taking, the city of Edmonton taking all of their photo radar vehicles and basically wrapping them in bright yellow so they are easier to see. And I think the reaction from every single driver here is, thank you. I mean, how many times have you passed a a photo radar vehicle that's kind of hidden in the bushes, uh, off to the side, and then you, you slam on the brakes after you pass it? So this is kind of a warning. Uh, you can see the vehicle now as you're approaching it. And every single one of these vehicles will also have a flag uh, attached to it. So there are uh, a lot of warning signs. And the vehicle also has a wrap on it telling you what exactly it is. It says photo radar. So uh, 
there is there is no reason not to see these vehicles anymore. And they did bring in a rule where they can't be hidden. They have to be parked in obvious places. And we've heard complaints year after year, these uh, photo radar vehicles kind of parked in those transition zones when you go, you know, from one speed to another. So they can't be parked right there anymore, where it's so easy to nab people as they're uh, transitioning their speed. Why did they decide to go ahead and make this change? Well, the city says it has heard feedback from the public. I'm going to take that as they've heard a lot of complaints from people. Uh, and uh, the province, as you mentioned, really cracking down on cities and, and other places that use photo radar. They want to make sure it is not being used as a cash cow. They want to make sure it is used as uh, safety enforcement. So the purpose is not to uh, catch unsuspecting drivers, nab them, if they're going, you know, five uh, kilometers over the speed limit, but to get people to change their habits and slow down. So the city's saying they're just, you know, rolling with the feedback and they they have this uh, something called Vision Zero where they want to get down to zero traffic uh, fatality and uh, accidents. So they said this is part of their rollout plan. Is this is Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brett. Is it possible that... Because you can now spot the photo radar vehicles from a mile away that when you don't see the photo radar, the bright neon yellow, that you'll that people will start speeding again. Oh, quite possibly. But I think there is this there. This is one of those hot button issues everywhere you go. What is the purpose of photo radar? Uh, So maybe you slow down and and after you pass the vehicle, you you speed up again, but uh, maybe you slow down and, and you keep your speed down. In Edmonton here, we have a lot of those signs that register your speed and those seem to be working. So it flashes up, it tells you to slow down, it tells you your speed. So it's a good reminder for people uh, as, as they're on the roads, and I think that has been working. And as mentioned, the, the province is really cracking down. They've actually, um, they're doing a review, and they are not allowing anybody to buy any new photo radar equipment at this time to upgrade it. You're not allowed to put your photo radar equipment at any new locations right now until this review is over. So uh, I think the city is, is taking a note from from the province that uh, they're watching. And again, a lot of people have been complaining. And I want to tell you some numbers just to give you an idea of, of how much um, revenue this does generate. In October alone, taking a look at the city data, uh, about uh, 8,600 photo radar tickets were sent out. That's just for one month. Holy smokes. So clearly, the city has made a decision here not only to heed the advice of the of the Alberta government, which is maybe a little bit stronger than advice. They're, they're sort of uh, dictating what needs to be done here. But there is going to be a sacrifice, most likely, in doing this the way they're doing it now in terms of revenue. Do you think Edmontonians are okay with that in this sort of cash crunch situation that Calgary, Edmonton, and other municipalities in your province are, are dealing with? I think so. I think when you talk to people uh, who are nabbed over and over, of course, there's the argument you shouldn't be speeding. But you hear from people who say, you know what, I was nabbed uh, before 
before this bridge, and then I was nabbed after the bridge. And so they, this adds up, the, the photo radar tickets. So um, I, I think people are willing to sacrifice that, uh, you know, less money in the the city pocket. But uh, the province actually announced in its budget it's taking more of the money from the those uh, traffic tickets. So um, a lot of that money isn't going into city pockets anymore. But all of that money is supposed to be used for traffic safety measures. So uh, the goal is to get people in general to slow down and to, to watch their speed. Uh, so I think people are okay with that trade-off. And this is one of those issues where everybody has an opinion, right? No question about it. And I think this will resonate with our listeners. We talk about this on this program all the time, the idea of school zones. And there are several in the city of Winnipeg, Kendra, where the vans are there every single day. They're very innocuous. They're regular you know, minivans or pickup trucks that are parked every single day and all they're there is ringing in the revenue and those revenues are not dedicated to making those sections of roadway, school zones, crosswalks, etc. better. It, it just goes into general revenue. And so uh, I, I like this approach from Edmonton. I like this approach from Alberta. Thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, anytime. Always have time for uh, fellow folks in Manitoba. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.